It's five o'clock on a Friday. Time to start practicing. That is as soon as cello chat is done. And this week I am delighted to have with me Jason Heath. But I don't want to forget our sponsor this week is White House of Music with five locations now. Whitehouseofmusic.com, a wonderful music store. Please check them out. Thank you, White House of Music. So, Jason Heath, it's always a pleasure talking with you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Benjamin. It's as great great to see you. We've known each other for I think it's been around 20 years almost at this point. So it's been it's been great to to work with you back when I was adjunct at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater, and then to just follow along with all your activities, writing your work with Asta, and and now this new. I've, I've, I'm honored to be a non cellist on Cello Chat. So it's just great to see you, and always a pleasure to connect with you. Excellent. Outstanding. Yes, you are the, I mean, I long had designated you in my mind as the the first person outside of the specific, you know, realm of cello players. And for a variety of reasons that the viewers will see as the interview unfolds. But can you introduce yourself and tell about your musical background? Sure. Yeah. So I I got a couple of degrees in double bass performance from Northwestern University, started playing in fourth grade in the South Dakota public school system and uh, on violin, wanted to quit. Mom wouldn't let me. And so I moved over to bass in middle school and just sort of fell into it. And then through the years, I, I, I've done a lot of performing, a lot of teaching, and, and I've ended up the last last decade plus developing this kind of quirky career of, of, of being an online bass person, kind of like a double bass community organizer. So I've had this blog for a long time, podcast for a long time. I end up doing a lot of events and I've had all sorts of adventures and misadventures around that. But at, at, at the heart of it, I'm a, I'm a bass player and a teacher and I've taught in many different capacities. And I just love, love playing music and teaching music and working in music terrific outstanding now um let's let's i want to first talk a little bit about why i wanted uh, you um as a to, to talk to cellists about bass playing um there are from my perspective I'm trying to always encourage cello players to at least learn a little bit of bass. And it's, to me, it's really amazing the things that we can get in the plus column from spending some time with the bass. There's, from a physical standpoint, the, the um, getting used to playing those, the large strings uh, can then suddenly make our C string feel like an A string. You know, it just, uh, you, you have to, you have to be connected to 
the laws of physics that those big massive strings are beholden to, you know, kind of a, a this attunement with it. And then uh, the bass repertoire is, you know, it was like the entire pedagogy of bass is so broad. It's, it's staggering. Um, so I just wonder if you want to talk a little bit about your perspective, because you're not just a bass player. You also do conducting, for example. So I know you are able to put yourself in the shoes of other instrumentalists. But what do you see as being some of the the merits of playing bass? Sure. Well, well, I've I've yet to meet a cellist who doesn't pick up bass fairly easily. I'll just start with that. There seems to be a natural, it's, it's, it's kind of like trying to exercise underwater, sort of like, it's just a little more challenging. The tolerance, it just takes more to get the strings going, but the physics, the the physics of playing the two instruments are so similar. Um, In my public school teaching career, I taught high school orchestra for seven years. I would many times introduce a cellist to bass. And by the end of a class, they were, they were getting around, you know, they, they, it's, there's, and the beautiful thing about bass is it opens up the world of so many other styles because name a genre of music that doesn't have bass you know the list is quite long so and then I think what you were saying about uh, I think I think it's a beautiful thing to learn another instrument especially one that's so closely related to to yours and I found that to be the case with bass I there are many bassists who have learned cello and it's really been helpful to them Uh, one person that's that comes to mind is Dashun Zhang, who teaches at the Tianjin uh, Juilliard School. He has been playing cello concertos. Uh, he's a b- bass player by trade, but he has started to pick up the cello, and it's like opened up their their the 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 fact that those bridge cables aren't so thick, you know, like they are on the bass. Like like he's learned so much coming from that. So I think that I think that uh, under boy learning how to get those bass strings moving, if you can figure out that, it's just going to bring so much more maybe sophistication or elegance to your to your playing. The, the bass, I, I don't know if I can phrase this exactly right, but bass is the one string instrument that just like getting the string to speak correctly and getting the fundamental, that's like a major feat. I have to spend a bit of every day just learning how to get the bass string moving again and getting my rosin dialed in. And, you know, when you, when you start somebody on, on cello or violin or whatever, the, the non-bass boat instruments, you know, it might not be the greatest sound. There might be some scratching. There might be some, but, but just getting the string to ring and the fundamental to ring is just a much easier prospect. So, and then what you were saying about just strength as well like it's a, it's incredible what what goes into getting the left hand to work effectively on the bass and the fact that you've only got a whole step in the lower positions between one and four you know it's again if, if you can think of it almost like a cross training thing um, it's going to be great for your cello playing and then of course if you get into bass playing in general it just opens up so many musical doors so that's kind of it's kind of my thoughts on that but I and that's the beautiful thing to me about bowed string instruments in general is that we have so much more in common than you might think. And I think it's true for violin or viola. They're, they're certainly held quite differently than cello or bass. But, but once you understand the physics of the string instrument and the bowing and all of that, I think we, we can move around the instruments much more readily than some might think. Excellent. Outstanding. Perfect. All right. So um, the 
running theme for this cello chat interviews that I've been doing has been inspiration or motivation. Um, because, I mean, we all have those good days when we totally want to sit down and we know what we want to accomplish. But then there are those days where, oh, I don't know, do I really want to get the instrument out? And you are, you have always been such a extremely high energy, motivated person. I mean, palpably passionate about music. So I know like with your own students, what do you do to convey that sort of enthusiasm to where you're just you're just always fired up about hey I get to do music again today. Yeah, it, well, I to me what energizes me is seeing what's going on in the world, what others are doing, and learning. And I think that uh, the the periods of time in my life when I would just lock myself up in the practice room and not pay any attention to anything except the music on the stand and just, you know, those were my least inspired times. And I found that to be true. I, I haven't done a scientific study, but if I look back at those colleagues of mine, those students of mine at Northwestern, and I look at the people that just lock themselves in the practice room four or five hours a day, a lot of those people, I haven't really heard about them, you know, in, in recent decades, but the people that did go see the Chicago symphony and did go to recitals and did play on other people's recitals. And probably now in a more, you know, inner, the, the internet age we live in now, people that were probably like absorbing information and watching tutorials and that sort of thing. Those are the people that I've seen go on to do things. And I just find I get inspired when I go see a concert, I get inspired when I see what somebody else is doing with with what I do, I get inspired talking to another musician and learning about how they think or what they're working on. And then I go to the bass and I think, yeah, I want to try that. Or when I was when I when I was conducting much more regularly, I would go see some concerts and I think, oh yeah, I want to try that repertoire with my group. But my violists maybe aren't quite there yet, so I'm going to do some arranging of that. And so just seeing what other people are doing and what they're exploring is really what fires me up. And if I'm not feeling motivated, it's usually because I've been a little bit too uh, inwardly focused and not really checking out what else is going on in the world. Interesting. Yeah, I love that too. Well, I I <laughs> have to. Um, it just brings to mind one of my most memorable performances to witness was when you auditioned in two thousand two on the piece "Failing." That just left our jaws just in our laps, it was, it was such an incredibly um, inspired interpretation of that piece and so naturally done, you just totally made it your own. Have you gotten to play that piece a number of times since? I have. And, and what, what Dr. Wickham's bringing up is this, this wonderful piece by a composer named Tom Johnson that is actually, I think it's a great piece of music. It is a minimalist piece with bass and dialogue. And the whole dialogue is how you're not going to be able to play the piece. And it really is, all his other music is traditionally minimalist. He'll, he has this clarinet piece that's just these same riffs going on and on. And so the piece, there's just this humor baked into it that I think is incredible. And that's one of those pieces 
And I think this, if you have the freedom to really, and we all have the freedom to find repertoire we want to play, if you can find something that is really interesting to you and really exciting to you, and failing was that to me, and I've had other pieces of my life that are like that, you know, chase that piece. I spent so much more time practicing failing. I would practice it in slow motion. There's this, it's a very, it is kind of not playable. That's the point of the piece. It's so challenging, and then you're talking, so I would have to talk very slow slowly and practice the notes to make sure that they all lined up. And, you know, it's, I, I spent, I don't even know how many hours working on that piece, but it's because I thought it was so fascinating. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Let's talk about your incredible blog and podcasts. You started the double bass blog in 2005 and it has been declared I mean, it was years ago that it was put uh, called one of the top 20 uh, music blogs, not just bass, not just strings, but music. Um, how did that come to pass? And um, can you talk about that evolution a bit? Sure. And there's probably a lesson in here for anybody. I'm not sure what the lesson is, but I, I think if, if I look at the years, you know, I graduated college, I graduated my master's and I was really wanting to fit in and get, get the best gigs I could and just be, you know, a good team player. And, and any musician, you, you accumulate a whole bunch of crazy stories and weird things that happen to you, whether it's drive, driving through a snowstorm to go play something and then it's, or who knows, there are many things. And so I, um, I had decided to, to look into teaching full time, uh, for a variety of reasons. And I decided, okay, I'm probably not going to play so much more bass. I have all these stories that I, let me just start telling them publicly. And it's a, I sort of was thinking I was going to set fire to my bass career. I thought like, well, you know, I'm not going to get any more gigs anyway. I'm going to go do this other thing. So let me just tell stories and kind of by not the, ironically, or whatever the term is by telling all these crazy stories and not really caring what other people think. I actually, a few years later, I was getting better gigs. I got hired at DePaul University in Chicago to teach bass. If I hadn't told all my crazy gig stories, I probably wouldn't have gotten that. I, I was not intending for that to help my career at all. I was just sort of like having fun and, and kind of like playing failing, trying to, you know, doing something that I thought was interesting. But if I just look objectively, a few years down the road, all of a sudden I was playing better things. I think it's because all of a sudden I seemed a little more interested. And that was never my intent, but I think sometimes just like pursuing what you think is fascinating and not worrying so much about what that's going to do for your career or what people are going to think about you, that sort of moved me into a more public, you know, uh, place. And so that blog and that, well, you're right, like 2005, kind of the mid 2000s, late, I was doing a whole lot of writing and about the music industry. And, and it was, it was really, it was fun. It was something that I did a little bit of when I was in college and and then really, really had a good time. And, and then that's, so I've sort of in the last few years gotten more into like bass specifically. So more of m most of my writing is, you know, it might be tragically dull to people that aren't bass players, but about like, you know, how exactly do we shift between these two positions or how do you really figure out how to start beginners well on the bass? And the podcast kind of evolved out of that. Nice. Well, I got to warn the viewer, um, when you first go to the double bass blog, you better have some time. To me, it's far more <laughs> addictive than uh, cat videos. 
to read your stories of, you know, the car exploding. And I mean, just, um, there are just some, it, it's neat because there, there's, if, if people go in and they're wanting to learn something specific about bass playing, why that's great. And if they just want to hear some interesting anecdotes, why then there's tons of those too. It's a, it's a great blog. So what are I, some I appreciate it. <laughs> what are some of your projects you have coming down the pike for uh, for this year? Well, I've I've uh, I I've, the last you know decade or so, I always seem to have a few projects on on various burners. And so one thing I've been working on the last couple of years are these bass courses with a company called Discover Double Bass. And I uh, I, ha I had a course come out in 2020, and I have another course coming out. It's probably going to be the very beginning of 2022, end of the end of this year, beginning of next year, called Beyond Beginner. And this has been a really cool course. The first one was just like, I don't know anything about bass, but I want to learn. And, and that was a really cool opportunity to just think about like, how would I want to teach someone from the very for picking up the instrument to getting around. And that's actually kind of a big responsibility to set that in stone, you know, to actually commit it and, and get all these videos filmed. So this next course is, I, I'm really jazzed about it's, it's okay, I've got a couple years under my belt. I can get around, what's next? And, and we commissioned, did, how many did we end up commissioning? I think six pieces by composers known in the bass world. And we asked them, write a piece for someone that's played a couple years. So don't go, you know, don't have 16th notes and D flat major running all over the bass, please. But, but you know, compose the way you compose, you know, use your voice. And I'm so happy with what these composers have brought to the table. So we've got it done. I'm going to film a couple additional courses in a, in a few weeks here in Nashville, and then that's coming out. And I'm really happy about that. That is, that is just like, um, that's been a long time coming and it was, it's been, it's been really fun. So that's something. And then ever since the pandemic hit and travel slowed down, I just committed to trying to do one YouTube video every week. And that's becoming a little more challenging as life picks up momentum and I'm on the road more, but I, I think I can keep it going. And that has been a fun, I think no matter what you do in life, just kind of like committing to some sort of schedule, whether it's practicing, like I'm just going to play 30 minutes every day. I don't care. I'm going to do 20 to 30 minutes, whatever. I've tried to just be good about that with various projects in my life. And so right now it's, I'm just going to make a video every week. It could be 30 seconds, you know, if I only have that amount of time, um, or I'm just going to practice five days a week. It's just going to happen. doesn't matter if it's five minutes one day. I think, I think that, so that's the other kind of persistent project that I've had going on. This is all such wonderful advice. Um, exactly the sort of inspiration that I knew you would provide. So I'm uh, vicariously, I'm uh, excited for the viewers getting to meet your, uh, meet you and your approach, your unique uh, attitude and approach, and hopefully go and and see how they can make that idea work for them, resonate with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Jason, thank you so much. This has been a real treat talking with you, as I knew it would be. It always is. 
Well, I, I appreciate. I'm honored that you would think of me, and I and uh, thanks for doing doing everything you do, but uh, doing you know this new venture as well. And I just think it's uh, you have a super interesting career that is evolved. You know, it's been fun to follow along with that too. And so, uh, yeah, any anytime we get a chance to connect is a real pleasure. So, thanks again for the invite. Outstanding. All right, and thanks again to our sponsors, White House of Music. And my guest next week will be Jeffrey Solo. So I uh, won't want to miss that. And in the meantime, everybody, happy practicing.